Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King, and I am joined today by John McCollum, a friend of mine and a listener of the show. He's a pastor at First Baptist Church of Hot Springs. John, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm enjoying my day. It's a good Monday. It feels cool and crisp outside, good hoodie weather, and just really kind of enjoying it. Hot Springs, what's the weather like there, and in, in, uh, what, what portion of Arkansas is Hot Springs? Is that central or... What would you call it? Well, it's uh, it's it's on the southwest edge of central Arkansas. It's about 50 miles southwest of Little Rock, 45 miles. It's about a 50-minute drive, and it's in the Washita Mountains, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place to to be and to live, and it's the number one tourist destination in Arkansas. So it's, awesome. a, it's a great place. Lots of natural resources, lakes it's, and trees, mountains. If somebody was coming to... Uh, hot springs there. They've never been before. What's the one thing they have to do besides go to First Baptist Church of Hot Springs? What's the yeah, one yeah, okay, I get to take that one. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say, it, it, the mountain trails. If you're if yeah. you're an outdoor person and you like lakes and mountain trails, you would love Hot Springs. There's also a really neat amusement park and some cool little local shows that go on downtown um, that are a lot of fun for families. So it's. Uh, it's a good place. Cool. And a minute ago, you told them that it was in the Wachita Mountains. If you are Googling Wachita, it is not spelled anything like what it sounds like. It's uh, one That's of the... correct. There's no W. It's a There's name no for w. an Indian tribe. O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A, Wachita. So we say it, O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A. O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A is the way it's spelled. That's what yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> so at the recording, at the time of recording right now, we are, what are we, a week, a little over a week past Easter. So the the biggest week of a lot of church calendars. How was it at First Baptist Hot Springs? It was really good. We had a, a good Easter, um, good turnout. We had people inviting folks and uh, had great services. We, I don't know how you do it. We, we don't do any kind of 
small groups on Easter Sunday. We add a third worship service instead and just do back-to-back-to-back worship uh, just to try to accommodate the folks who, who come. How how'd it work for y'all? It was it was similar. It was great uh, spirit. I'm not just saying that. It really was. There was this great spirit, a bunch of guests. And one of the things that I was most excited about was I've been here for seven years and you're starting to see, you know, fruit of inviting people year after year. And finally mm-hmm. they show up, you know, and so that's a good thing. And there were a number of our regular tenders or members that were excited bringing people up and saying, this is, you know, my family member I've been talking about, et cetera. The other thing that we did, I'm a real simple church kind of guy. So we, we, um, we don't do a lot of programs and things like that, but this year we decided to do an egg hunt and we did it actually Easter Sunday morning. And so we canceled our small groups, did the egg hunt, and then we had the worship service after it. And so it was a big, there was a donut wall and pictures and all that sort of stuff. And I kept the week before I said, no, I'm sure somebody else, some other church does an egg hunt on Sunday morning, but I just kept joking with the staff and like, we're either going to figure out something neat here for our context, or we're going to figure out why so many churches don't do the egg hunt on Easter Sunday. But uh, it turned out great. And Good. We we like it. Uh, we have a big enough sanctuary where we can actually double um, our Sunday morning attendance and not need to go to two services. So we liked that mm-hmm. fit, but we did fill it up. We did fill up our sanctuary. And I guess the real struggle would be if you have multiple services, would you do multiple egg hunts? And so really kind of filling all of that. So we're not real sure how to do that. I think we can get by with it one more year um, if we did an egg hunt and then, and then, you know, a big worship service. So um, it was Uh good. It it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the Instagram sort of like thousands and thousands of people, like a lot of churches and, that really kind of segues into the topic I wanted to ask you about. How 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 many years have you pastored there at Hot Springs? 23. 23 years here. And before so, that, you were a lead pastor I, somewhere, right? Yeah, in suburban Kansas City. I was out in the Lee Summit area, Greenwood, First Baptist Greenwood. I was there almost 14 years. So I've been a pastor 37 years and only been to two churches as the wow. lead pastor. That's a lot of Easter's. It is. Yeah. It is. And I love everyone. So the my question is this. I noticed um from my relationships, some close friends, things like that, not everybody has a fantastic Easter morning. In fact, I had a text from a friend of mine who was like, is it wrong if I uh give my resignation? the day after Easter. And so, <laughs> you know, it can get hard, but I don't think that's unusual. I don't think the post big event is unusual. Is that what you found or do you have any experience with that? Yeah, it's uh Easter for for a pastor is Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, everything is turned out. There's hype that that leads up to it. Um people are inviting their their friends. We look at a community and we think uh, so many who never go to church uh, will come on Easter and we blitz and we hope we get our fair share. And so, so much energy is poured into it that when it's over, well, it rarely lives up 
to the hype that we hope and pray for, I think. And so there can be a real a real letdown, not to mention just a, a physiologically an adrenaline uh, um, decline uh, that, uh, that, that I think a pastor feels physically. I wonder if I think you mentioned two really good that we've got the the build up in our own minds and on our staff and those are things that we just have to do you know you're designing invite cards getting those make sure they're in in time and everything that leads up to it you also have the adrenaline or the physiological effects of it and I'm also thinking that with the advent of social media being so prolific particularly it seems in the life of pastors and the way that we relate to one another that there is also a comparison trap, no doubt, or it's it's very hard not to compare um, the day mm-hmm. after the the after the day of immediately you're seeing these pictures and these videos of somebody who you know just started their church and they're running they're running two hundred the week before and now they had three thousand and four hundred people got <laughs> saved and you know it, yeah. it's a uh, it's it's particularly um, it's trying on pastors. I wonder if we could come up with a few things that would help prevent it, maybe before we come to it, and then how to navigate through it so that you know pastors aren't resigning the day after Easter. Do you have any uh-huh. advice on that in your experience in your years of pastoring? Well, uh, I think I think recognizing that Easter is about Jesus' resurrection and not just about the success of the church is a starting place. Sure. Um, remembering that uh, even though it is kind of a Super Bowl Sunday for us, uh, in a sense, every Sunday is Easter. Every Sunday has Easter implications. It's why we worship on Sunday. Right. And so to, uh, to mitigate a little bit of the, I don't want to say enthusiasm because we need to be passionate and enthusiastic about it. But not to try to put, pardon the pun, all of our eggs in that one basket. Um, recognizing Easter as part of a longer term strategy of trying to reach our community instead of just a, a, a one shot winner take all kind of contest with other churches, I think is one thing that could help. What, what about, what do you think? No, I think you're right. And what you talked about there with the long term strategy, we here tried to put a greater emphasis on leading up to it. I kept saying to our connections minister, the person who is in charge of making sure that, you know, we call it from the street to the seat to service. Those mm-hmm. people, you know, I kept, I kept coaching her in our, in our every other week coaching meetings. I kept saying, this is great. You've got really good ideas on how to get the information from our guests. You've got great ideas on greeting our guests, but then when is the first point of contact after that? And how do we get them into a small group? Where are we going to connect with them on that level? And so, so I really just kind of focused past it. Once everything was settled for the egg hunt and we knew what we were singing, I knew what I was preaching. I kept focusing past that to say, and one of the things I remind the staff all the time is that Sunday is just the beginning for our guest. When a guest walks in, that's just the beginning of the relationship. Everything after that is where we need to really put our, I like what you said, eggs in that basket. That's where we, the follow-up is really what I mm-hmm. want to emphasize instead of just the, you know, because, and this isn't to diminish the impact culturally of Easter, but 
just about anybody who could put together anything will get a crowd on Easter Sunday. You you just you will get more. Maybe you wanted a thousand and you only got an extra two hundred. That's still good though, of course, and you will get more. But how do you follow up with those people and make sure that they're hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel? And that's another thing. It's not a matter of necessarily the converts are converting them to your church, but it's it's sharing the gospel with them, seeing right. have them see that gospel, that sort of thing. So so yeah, a great first step I guess would say let's push past the event itself and fall into the process or the discipleship model that you have. Right. I think that's critical. It's it's important. Easter's important because I think it shows a church something of their potential uh in their community. Uh mm. the kind of width of outreach uh they have the opportunity to uh to uh embrace because the folks who who choose to come to our churches on Easter well one 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 hurdle's already crossed. They know where we are. They know something of who we are. They know how to get here. So so that's a place to start. They've shown at least some interest uh in us. And then follow up. I think that's critical. If we don't follow up then uh then we we've we've really squandered an opportunity for the gospel. Mm. What we do, um we we treat Easter in follow up terms pretty much like we treat every Sunday. Uh mm-hmm. we have cards people can fill out Sunday afternoons every Sunday, not just Easter. I call everybody who gives us their phone number uh, on a visitor card, first or second time guest. I call them up on the phone just to thank them for coming and to make a personal contact uh, with them. Then in staff meeting, we we talk through those. We divvy them up. Staff members will will make a phone call and then uh, we'll we'll shuffle to our connect groups, our small group leaders, uh, potential um Persons who might be become a part of their group, so that there can be another touch, another follow up. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of our immediate uh, response. But that's what we do every Sunday. But Easter, right. it's just a bigger bigger pile of cards, bigger number <laughs> of people. To, yeah, and that's good. We, yeah, it uh, is. We just started something. We 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 kind of kicked it around a couple of weeks ago. To be honest, a pastor friend of mine his name is Andre Ward. Kind of had an idea and we started talking through it and I thought it was such a cool thing. In fact, he said, I'm shocked that Saxe's church isn't doing this. This seems like something Saxe's church would do. So we, um, but uh, we couldn't really actually find anywhere to actually do it. So here's, here's what we just started doing. We created a little text number. And, um, so we, we were moving away from the cards. We found that mm-hmm. the cards kind of work. They kind of don't. It seems like the best of a bad tool. They just, and so we're trying to really emphasize the text messaging service. So essentially, we have the word you can text Saxy to a number. We put it up on the screen and we've just stopped saying anything about the cards. And so the mm-hmm. the person who's greeting that day will say, you know, if, if it's the first time with us, why don't you pull out your cell phones, text this number or text this word, just the word Saxy to this number. And um, that'll begin the kind of connection between you and the church and they'll follow up with you. So. The thing that we did for Easter in the last couple of weeks has been we're giving away a coffee mug. Every year we have a Saxe's Church coffee mug. We we filled it with some Starbucks gift cards, some candy, those sort of things, and said we got. So if you're first time with us, text that word to that number, 
and you'll be entered to win. Look, we've got six of these this week, or we've got a couple of them this week, that sort of thing. And uh, we did. We had a much higher participation of people texting that number than we ever get cards, ever. It's just it's just yeah. a, a very big thing So because it's easy. And it seems like from voting on American Idol to signing up your kid to something, everything's text now. Just pull out your phone and text a quick number. So we just kind of yeah. wanted to go in that vibe. Then um, from the service, in the service, our connections minister is able to pull up her laptop and say, hey, you won. So she texted out a few people and said, you won. Bring this text message back to the connection center and meet our pastor and, and me, the connections minister. And we've got that gift for you. So not only did we get a higher participation of people giving us information, their cell phone number by texting that number, but we also got a higher percentage of people coming back to the connection center and meeting me, shaking my hand, waiting. They stay in line because they've got something. They Even though we give a gift every week, this one seemed a little bit more special because they had a text for it. And then the yeah. next day, our connections minister will send them all another email or a text message rather that says, thanks again for visiting uh, with our church. It's such an honor. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself by clicking this link? And it's just a small little online, uh, you know, form. Then mm -hmm. that's where we get their name, address, and they've got a bunch of little things they could click if they're interested in student ministry, mm -hmm. children. Stuff. We have just really, we've only been doing it three, four weeks. And like I said, much higher participation than the cards. The downside mm -hmm. is initially you get much less information. All we have is a cell phone. Number. We don't even know the name of the person on that cell phone number. So, uh -huh. but you know, you, you got to trade one off or the other. So it's just something yeah, kind of cool we started. That's, I think that's brilliant. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick our media um, and our uh, communications uh, team on, on that, doing something like that. That would probably yeah. really work. In our second service, our first service, Hot Springs is a retirement town, though we've got tons of young families. It's also a sure. retirement town. Our first service has mostly that age group. They're probably more into cards mm. than they would into texting. But the second service, you know, would be definitely. I think, thanks for the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, You know, we're beta testing it right now, but the initial results are so clear to us that this is something of the future just trying to that we've, we've kicked the hurdle down the, the the road a little bit filling out that card and because we always struggled with a lot of people and particularly in an easter service you have so many things going on how do you you might say there's the card or here's the tear off off the bulletin etc but uh -huh. when do you give them the 15 20 seconds it takes to actually fill it that was so hard for us but the texting thing they did that while we were talking. It was just so natural yeah, for them to grab and text it. So yeah. I don't know. We, um, something. We, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I I didn't have anything. I was just saying something we tried. I was going to say we use our card has two sides. It has a welcome side and then it has a next step side on the on the back of it. So we ask them to fill it out, hold on to it. And at the end of the service, after we do a, a public response invitation, we take a few minutes and give them a chance to to fill out next steps, you know, based on their life mm -hmm. and the service. We give some specific possibilities, take prayer requests, and 
Cool. And uh, and so so our card has a dual purpose. And sometimes I think folks who may not have time to fill out their information during the service, when they have that next steps uh, moment, few moments mm. at the end of the service, they can give us a little bit of that if they want. But we'll get cards with prayer requests. We'll get cards that don't have much information on the person, but people who want to say something about how they feel like God is moving them as a result of being in this service that day. So right. people are pretty protective, you know, of, of their identity these days. I get it. I get it. So let's transition a little bit here. Let's say, I think that's some great advice. If you're looking up to your next service, whatever that event might be, really focus on the follow-up. That'll help you. It's the follow through. You got to swing all the way through the pitch and that will help right. you um, kind of get over that. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't make such a letdown because for me the day after Easter or for us we took the day off but the next week after that's when everything got going well, let's follow up let's really kind of work with this but let's say you're there let's say it's Monday morning after Easter it's the day after Christmas Eve services and it didn't turn out quite the way you expected for whatever reason um what are some tips you think I've got a few about navigating through that the dark season and, and what to kind of pull yourself out of that without resigning. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it's important again to remember as pastors uh, that our identity is not in how many people come to the service and how things went based on how we expected and hope they went. Obviously it buoys us when things go uh, meet expect to meet expectations, but our identity is found in in Christ as His much loved, um, God's much loved child, and um, Christ and partner with Christ, a co-heir with Christ, and in 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 life and faith and in ministry. And so I think remembering that, not tying our our identity to to how things go on any particular Sunday, is important. For the long haul, not just for that Sunday, but uh, for every Sunday, because mm. how many Sundays in the course of a year actually meet our expectations? Right, exactly. So, so I think it's pretty important to uh, to remember who we are in Jesus, and that's our that's our primary identity. Jesus doesn't love us any more or any less based on how Sunday went. Right. And I think it's important to know, to know that and remember that. That's one thing. There are other things. You have a list. What's something that you would, would add? The the principal one that I would say is to attack the root of that that problem head on. So for for different pastors, it's different things. But one of them that seems to be common is the comparison trap of feeling like uh, your friend or the, you know, the the person you graduated from seminary with, they're, they're more successful than you for whatever reason. They had mm -hmm. a bigger crowd or more people responded, those sort of things. So I, I just want to encourage people, and this is a practice I do myself, is ask yourself, are you not pleased? Are you not happy that they did do well, that their church mm -hmm. did do well, that that many people at their church heard the gospel? Because really when we, when we come down to it, we are. We do want all the churches to do well. So when you when you start to analyze it yourself and don't let yourself beat beat you up over that, I say that that helps. And so 
by attack it head on, what I do is encourage, like, just go look out for those people who, who did well that you're happy for and, and, and reshare that tweet or comment on it or text them directly, which is, seems to be a lost art. People have to make every conversation public. You can actually text those people directly and say, I think you did good at this. This is really cool. Tell me more about how great your service was. And, um, that was, that's something that really encourages me. Now, there are those personalities in any field, and pastoring is not different, that maybe you feel like, yeah, but they're just bragging or they're just, you know, showing out. And that really gets on my nerves. So my advice to you is stop following them. If they bother you so much and <laughs> yeah. you think that they're not, just unfollow them or don't look at their stuff. And, you know, it's just like my kids are fighting and, and they just keep poking at each other. And finally, we just have to say, you know, you look out your window, you look out your window and don't talk to each other. And if that's a route for a problem for you, look for people. Every time I'm discouraged, regardless of what it is, if it's a Sunday morning thing, if it's a staff issue, if it's a finance issue, I have found if you look for ways to encourage other people, you'll either lose sight of your own discouragement or you'll realize you know, this wasn't that bad at all. The thing I'm discouraged about is not that bad at all. I talked to my friend and he's really going through it. And so, you know, you kind of gain a better perspective if you realize that, you know, we're all on the same team and we just right. play different positions. So. Right. You know, that, that, that's really cool. It's, we're just so tempted to compare. I, you know, I've been a minister for, seems like forever. And, and I, I, it's not as bad in my old age as it was when I was younger, but uh, but it's still it's still there. You still want to do well, and I think some one of the ways we evaluate how well we're doing is based on how well somebody in a similar position is doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm it's sad that it's that way, but it, that's just probably reality for a lot of us. But I think you're right. Remembering that uh, it's it's about Jesus. We're all on the same team. Um, we're all working in the same kingdom and to be able to celebrate other people's, uh, blessings is really, is really the heart of not just being a good pastor, but being a good Christian. Mm-hmm. As, as Paul said, learning to, to weep with those who weep, which is pretty easy and to rejoice with those who rejoice, which is not always that easy. Mm. So, so being able to, to, to do both of those as a believer in Jesus and then being able to model that for, for the church. I know it, it's different now in the last few years than it was in most of my ministry. Most of my ministry after Easter, you know, you had to go to a pastor's meeting or something to find out how other people did. But no, now on Sunday, more, yeah. Sunday afternoon, you know, people yeah. are talking about how many were saved and all the blessings and that kind of thing. One of the one of the things I've tried to do with the pastors I follow who like to post about their Sundays is I like to hit like, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe and maybe give a word of encouragement or, or praise mm-hmm. to the Lord for a good day. Even if you don't feel like it in your heart, I think it's a good discipline. Sure. And it's teaching our heart to follow discipline instead of just our, our fickle emotions can can be something that trains us. I think uh, in, the last in, the the other little piece of advice I would give is to surround yourself by encouragers, um, challengers, those sort of people. You don't want yes men around you all the time, right. but you do want people that look to encourage. You can tell, and I don't know why people allow themselves to stay in, com- in relationships like this, but you can tell if you're in a relationship, a peer-to-peer relationship, that really the other person 
is using you as the the person to make them feel better. So don't don't mm-hmm. don't be around those people. But you um, actually text me and asked how our Easter went, which was unexpected and encouraging. Just to have somebody ask that. I also had a group of pastor friends who we were meeting together, and not all of us had a great Easter. And uh, one in particular was had a bad Easter. It was just a bad Sunday oh. all around, a bunch of different things. But he was able to voice that. And then we all agreed. And, you know, man, that is tough. And I can't believe they said that. And, you know, we kind of shared in that pain. But then at the same time, all of us were able to say, you know, but you're you're doing good and we're going to get through this. And I had something similar so let's just navigate the issue and not give up on the problem. And surrounding yourself by those kind of people really helps. So much of what we do is a vacuum. And just because you follow somebody on Twitter or they follow you, you're not actually in a relationship with people who just follow you on Twitter. You need to actually speak to them and let them speak right. to you. That's what a relationship is. And so we can't uh, exchange human-human friendships for some sort right. of digital connection. And I think that's, that's right. just contributing to our heart. I agree. I, I think that's, that's so, so important. And I appreciate the way you, you push that here in the EST uh, podcast. You, you talk a lot about the importance of relationship. You know, the only thing I would add to what you're saying is when we have that bad Easter Sunday, it's a good opportunity to say, okay, Lord, what's up? What, what are you wanting to, how are you wanting to train me in this? How are you wanting to chisel away at some things in my soul that, that make that so critical to who I am as a person and as a pastor? And to, to let God get, he's created us some space to speak into our lives when we've had that kind of Sunday. And I think it's really important to open up to God for that. And that's where, like you were saying, our Christian brothers, can can maybe speak some of God's word into that space in our lives. So so that's great counsel that you've offered all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So stay stay connected to people who are going to encourage, challenge, and just help you out along the way. I think that's all the time we have for today, John. So appreciate you so much kind of chatting through this with us. I know that this is an issue that nearly every pastor feels or experiences, but sometimes you just you don't have an, an avenue to admit it. So I do appreciate you having that conversation. Going to have you back on for some more shows. And uh, thanks again for everyone listening to EST. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget about our EST conference coming up October 4th. There's more information available on our Twitter and our Facebook. And we'd love to see you here in Dallas for that conference. Have a great week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission.
The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.